This week, we are joined by Mark McCulloch, Hospitality Rising founder, to discuss what the sector can do to show a little ankle to the workforce, and in related loyalty matters, why sticking a logo on a pillow can go a long way. Hello, and welcome to another episode of New Tricks, uh, which is the podcast from New Job PR, where we talk all manner of hotel, investment-y, fun things. Um, we are here uh, in, as, as as was said previously, in far better health than the UK economy. And joining us this week, um, it's very important, we have Mark McCulloch, who is the founder, he's many, many hats, but the most important one to talk about is the founder of Hospitality Rising, but generally all-round marketing brand guru. Uh, Mark, welcome to Nutrix. How are you? I'm really good. I'm really good. Um, we wouldn't be able to see any of this, but I was just apologising earlier that my, you know most of my furniture is uh, in the, in one room, which seems odd uh, when you two are looking at it. Um, but yeah, I've got a very early delivery tomorrow. I'm uh, treating myself to some new bedroom furniture, so I'm very excited about that. So yeah, that's a, a, non, a non-work thing to think about for a change, which is nice. Well, absolutely. What's not to be excited about? Um, and so we were in a, in the sort of warm up preamble. We were talking about your common interests, Catherine and Mark, which is lads mags and expensive careers. We maybe should qualify that a little bit. Um, in terms, no, just move on immediately from that. And anything. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's it, it's fun, you know. Um, I mean, I'm. It's really sad, although I love music more than anything. Um, I'm really kind of stuck in the 90s. In fact, I got Arctic Monkeys tickets this morning, which is not the 90s, but I'm, I'm very, very excited about that. I was just hitting refresh. I actually missed a meeting to do it. I was just hitting refresh. So I had technical difficulties. Uh, but anyway, I, I, I thought they could afford me that. But uh, yeah, so uh, lads' mags and magazines in general was just a real passion of, of, of mine and Catherine's, I think. So yeah, we were swapping stories about Loaded because... The loaded uh, founder and an editor and many other things, James Brown, great guy. Um, he has just launched his autobiography, so it's just landed called Animal House, and he's got a two for one out of me because I'm too lazy to actually read it. So I've got the audio book as well. So he's made money twice out of me. Um, but I'd recommend it to anyone. Uh, just uh, great, and also there's just such a misconception about loaded. You know, it really wasn't. Um, all sort of naked women and misogyny and, and all that. You know, it really was just stuff lads were interested in, and women as well. Um, actually, you know, they actually kind of had a quota for how many men would be on the cover, and they celebrated that too. And then, you know, when they were putting models up there, it wasn't even really talking to them about being glamour models and all that. It was about their business head and their opinions on things. And, you know, so actually they, they, they provided a platform for everyone. So it was great. Yeah. So fond memories going through that. So yeah, a little bit of nostalgia. And then I was 46 yesterday. So yeah, I, uh, the, the clock's ticking. So it's nice to go back to being 20 again for, for a few hours, you know. Yeah, exactly. I, I loaded came out when I was in sixth form, and um, and I used to read it every every month. And just the the standard of writing was so extraordinary, and I had never read anything like it apart from obviously the classics like Hunter S. Thompson's and all the rest of it. I had never thought anything like that could be anywhere near. I've already been reading the Enemy every week for sort of the previous five years, but um, but yeah, absolutely phenomenal. I can still remember like phrases from some of the some, some of the features years down the line from having read it. Um, the one where they try to redo um, Deliverance leaps immediately to mind. Um, just most phenomenal writing. So I did uh, work experience there, which I 
achieved after sending them a candle which burns at both ends, um, which is bad. All candles. <laughs> I went to a load of efforts to stick two candles together before realizing, of course, that you can easily make them burn at both ends with just the same candle. So that was good. But, um, but I only lasted three days because I was um, put semi in charge of arranging um, one of their parties um, for whatever anniversary it was, um, which I arranged phenomenally badly. Um, people would phone up and say, ask to get on the guest list. And I would go, What? You can't be the real Big Reeves and put the phone down. <laughs> <laughs> so like it's that and then um so yes and I, and I went there and it was at some wines the wine in Tottenham Court Road and I drank just far too much warm white wine and threw up on James Brown's table and left early and did not return so, <laughs> to loaded to loaded towers I thought better of it fast <laughs> young yeah nice you, you're just in and out yeah <laughs> get in get out get the job done but I, I was subject to a number of hazing rituals while I was there um, including um, Martin Deason, who was the, the greatest all writer yeah. at the time. They went into a meeting, which I wasn't allowed into, and I was told he gave me his cigarettes back when you could smoke in offices, and he told me that he wanted the cigarette to be like exactly the same length when he came out. And all of this is proving that I should never be on any kind of kind of logical strategy-based uh, programs. Instead of just stubbing it out and then relighting it, I then smoked a series of cigarettes to <laughs> keep them all at the same length. Uh, for when he came out, by the time he came out, of course, I was almost dead. So, um, <laughs> you're not allowed to do that to work experience people anymore. No, you're not. Remind, <laughs> please remind me that if anyone suggests one of those escape rooms for our Christmas party, I am oh, not doing it with not you. For me. <laughs> no, 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 no. And then I then bumped into the loaded lot at some. Um, the um, eclipse festivals, which Mark, you may or may not have participated across Cornwall when everyone in Cornwall decided they would put on a festival um, and we got tickets for all of them with the publication I was then working for which I won't name but it was in fact the Financial Times and um, as <laughs> <laughs> so we went to all we had tickets to all of them we went to one which was just like three people literally three people from Liverpool in a car park waiting for the Happy Mondays um, three actual people no more people we like we left but the first night we went we saw Orbital in the valley which was like the day of the actual um, eclipse Oh. And we went to everyone from Loaded back there backstage and there was a terrible inst- incident with a with a pool table. So I'm not going to at this point. Yeah. Well, can, can we maybe do like an uncut version of this and we can put that out as a bonus? <laughs> Just talk about the whole the whole thing. But, uh, yes. It's got a Christmas special yeah, in yeah, it. Yeah. special. What I will say is that the Nation's um, magazine employees all ended up at one hotel outside Newquay for the best part of a week which we saw the world um, concrete slab smashing um, the world record broken by a guy called Ed the Thug Byrne. Um, I've never seen such a small regional event get such huge national coverage because the world's journalists were there having nothing better to do and a week off to be in Cornwall. Um, yes, it was magnificent with many photos were taken. But, uh, but yes, but I think it, it leads us seamlessly on to um to to hospitality go with it this is all very hospitality based um and uh, and how how it's impossible to attract people to be in it and what we all should be doing because at that point obviously i was working in magazines i was also working behind bars in camden and getting in free to gigs and stuff like that and the incentive for me to work behind those bars earning just crap although cash um in little envelope was that you got to do loads of other stuff like getting free to gigs there was like a uh it wasn't like I had a, a final salary pension plan, 
But I was saving a lot of money on getting into, you know, like the underworld and, and places like that. Incentive. But so what can we do to make attract me? Yeah, well, uh, well, I guess um, one thing is we're, we're going for the under 30s. So you might be you might be out. <laughs> So, uh, but no, well, again, if I rewind a little bit, um, you know, I've, I've only worked in hospitality sort of laterally. Um, you know, my sort of early career was was sort of you know record shops and all this kind of stuff. A, a bit of bit of hospitality, you know, within, but um, really fell in love with it over the last sort of twenty years that I've been in it. So, you sushi and Pretamonji, and um, and then yeah, just loads of clients when when I went out mowing and. Basically, I'm sort of feeling that like there's a gang of us now that are in our forties. That it's sort of our industry now. You know, we're the kind of, you know, I guess we're the people that have got to try and leave this now in the next twenty years that we've got to hopefully um, that we can leave it in a better place than when we come in because it's been you know terribly good to all of us. So on the sixth of May last year, I saw a tweet go out with a link to a BBC article, and it said. Uh, this crisis is coming, you know, we need to get to the root cause of, of this issue. And at the time, we didn't, it was kind of like coronavirus being in China, like, we, we didn't really realise that it was going to hit so quick, um, which was the staffing crisis. We've always been short of chefs, but we were never really too short of everything else. It was always kind of okay. Um, so anyway, through coronavirus, what's happened is people have realised they've got a life, you know, they've kind of woke up. They've realised what Saturday nights are like. They've realised there's easier ways to make money, um, you know, and, and, and all the rest of it. Plus, well, you've got a new generation coming through who just all want to be YouTube stars and Bitcoin millionaires, um, and, and a lot of them are doing it, you know. So that's the issues we've got really sort of facing us. And basically, the perception of hospitality is bad. So it's kind of like Skoda cars years ago. You've got a perception problem and you've got a product problem. And the bit that I can help with is the brand part, the advertising part, the perception part, what the industry needs to do. And, you know, the best ones are doing it, of course. It's the other ones that are kind of maybe letting us down, um, is that they're fixing the product from within. So they're looking at can people do, you know, less shifts? Can people be trained and developed more? Can people's wages go up and then there's a trade-off with customers for value? Can it be seen as a long-term career? There was a great phrase one of my clients had up in Scotland, which was, hospitality is for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. And I really like this because we're not saying to everyone, you must join hospitality and commit for the rest of your life. And, you know, it's not that at all. If someone wants to come in and work for six months because it's a, a seasonal thing, great. If someone wants two years because it helps them through their studies or if they're at home parenting, you know, uh, you know, whichever parents, um, it really, you know, doesn't matter. Hospitality is flexible and it's there for them and all the rest of it. And then we're also seeing great things like, you know, one bartender that I was hearing about lately from one of my clients has went to another bar just as a normal job. Um, and he's going to make over 40 grand a year just as a normal bartender when you include the tips. So hospitality has this really bad perception of, you know, low wages and low benefits and all these things. And it's just not true. So what we need to try and do is show hospitality in a new light. What we found when we did some research 
was that unfortunately only one in five people would consider working in hospitality, so UK nationals, um, and one in 10 would definitely, so that's a low figure, you know. Only two in five would recommend to other people uh, to work in hospitality. And what I'm reminded of is a few, a couple of years ago, um, in question time, it was quite funny, there was this posh lady from Ealing, and she was saying, well, this Brexit's fair enough, but who will give me my coffee in Pret? Who will pour my coffee in Pret? You know, because there's no foreign workers coming in. And everyone laughed at her, and she became a Twitter meme, and all these things. She was right, you know. So we've got UK nationals, really, who, if that's the right term, you know, I don't want to say anything on PC, but, you know, people that are, are here because there's no influx of foreign workers anymore, um, who are just, it's beneath them. Hospitality is beneath them. And then you've got parents who are not saying to little Johnny and Jenny and all the rest of it, you should go and work in a pub. They might say it when they're 16, but they're then saying go and get a proper job. And the amazing things from, you know, spending time lately with Nick Jones at Soul House, let's say, you know, he started as a graduate trainee, shy as you like, has a, a, you know, a stutter, all the rest of it. And what hospitality did for him was give him confidence and actually built his people skills. So we've thought about this idea where hospitality makes you a better everything. So in the future, you know, so even if you just do it for a short while, it will make you a better barrister rather than barrister, but, you know, a barrister, a doctor, a, you know, father, mother, whatever it is, you know, it will make you just a better human. And if you are humble enough to serve and put other people first, you know, that's a great thing for society full stop, you know. So once I saw that research, I kind of wanted to cry a little bit. Um, and then I thought, well, actually, let's just apply big brand thinking. So although we're in hospitality now and the budgets are low and you never get to do this kind of stuff, really, um, I went sort of to my old experience and contacted my old network. So I said, right, we need to do the biggest, uh, big, UK's biggest recruitment ad campaign for hospitality. Um, that we've ever seen in maybe even any other country. And we really wanted to raise five million at the time. We're nearly a million now, actually. But um, I think we'll just keep funding in the background to just keep the cash flow. It doesn't matter that we don't have it up front. So then I reached out to one of my old contacts, a guy called uh, Dougie at VCCP. And he uh, we used to do some advertising for Shell years ago. And he basically got, and also he founded uh, Lucky Voice with Martha Lane Fox from uh, LastMinute.com as well, back in the day. Um, so he's got a little bit of hospitality in him. So he's the new president of an organisation called the IPA, so the Institute of Practitioners for Advertising. And they had a new initiative called 10X. So they were going to get, the idea was they would get 10 of the best agencies together, ad agencies and stuff, to help social causes, social problems. And they saw us as a social problem. So they basically just came along and said, right, we'll give you 350 grand's worth of free advertising help and you will get Rory Sutherland from Ogilvy, who's just a god. Um, you'll get VCCP in terms of account management strategy, all that. We'll give you the Army's lead recruitment brand strategist to work on it, who's done the Army's best campaigns in the last 10 years. This is belonging. And our had always based Hospitality Rising on Army Be The Best anyway. So that kind of checked out. So it's kind of like having Oasis cover bands and Nolan Liam rock up, you know. Um, so that was great. 
And then, uh, and then at the end, he says, um, do you want Google's lead creative agency as well, called Forever Beta, to do it? And it was like, yes, please. So um, that's what they did. And to be fair to all of them, they've probably given us nearer a million pounds worth of free help now. Um, we've worked with them for a long time. So we've now got a campaign. It launches in about three weeks' time, so the 18th of October-ish, as we're recording. Um, and it's called Rise Fast Work Young. So it's about live fast, die young kind of thing. So rise fast, work young. So rise fast is all about hockey stick career potential. If you get into hospitality, you can go far fast. Talking to someone the other day, she's 23 running a £3 million business. And unless you're doing something illegal, um, you're probably not going to be doing that, you know. Um, And then work young is all about this attitude to life. So not being an age really but all about being young at heart. Hospitality keeps you young as well, keeps you connected with what's going on, with all these different things. And then the biggest flippable population we can go after at the moment is under 30s who are in entry-level jobs, and we'll try and tempt them across. Um, and then the creative itself, uh, we've actually been working with a Vietnamese out in Vietnam, um, model maker and animator, and we've got six main characters uh, so chef, barista, um, front of house, hotel manager, um, hotel room attendant, um, and then one other bar, bartender. Maybe. Um, so that gives us the six. And we're really heavy into DNI as well. So, you know, for example, the barista's got a hearing implant. And I want to go deeper into that. I want to understand more, like, what can you do if you're in a wheelchair in hospitality? What can you do if you're sight impaired? You know, I'm really interested in that. Um, and then, you know, we're, we're obviously very heavy in terms of sex and gender. We've got um, a couple of um, sort of fluid characters that, you know, you don't know. Um, and in that sense, it's not it's non-binary. So, yeah, we're just trying to be as thoughtful as possible and show people that hospitality is for, for everyone. Um, but, yeah, as I say, we've raised nearly a million pounds. We've got Pret on board. We've got Hilton on board. We've got Welcome Break on board. Whitbread, so Premier Inn and Beef Eater and all that. Um, we'll try to think who else. Soul House, Revolution Bars. So those are the, the kind of big ones, you know. Um, and I'm sure I've missed someone that they'll complain. But um, but yeah, and then we've got Coca-Cola sponsoring it. Um, we've got a couple of tech companies within hospitality sponsoring it. So I think once people see it live, I think then the next bunch of people who have maybe been a little bit cautious will hopefully come in. And if everyone in hospitality came together, £10 per employee is all we're asking for investment, um, then, you know, we'd actually be able to outspend the army by about three times. The army spends £17 a year um, to recruit, you know, 150,000 people, something like that. So, you know, it's it's expensive to do. But if not, now when? It's the best plan we've had for 30 years. So, yeah, so that's what's going on. Excellent. Emily, you have an a interesting theory about why we don't value hospitality. Don't. Food, 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 food. Yes, I do. Um, uh, very briefly, I think, uh, yeah, having enjoyed being in a fortunate position to be able to, to travel, not hugely, but, you know, I've had exposure to other countries. And um, I just think we are so sorely lacking in... Um, coming together, sharing a meal, um, having the values of sitting down, uh, enjoying that meal together and and um, making that an event. Um, and I think that then 
it sort of then pulls out to not valuing serving it or preparing it or delivering it or um, the joy of being able to be deliver hospitality because we, it's fundamentally I just don't think we value food enough and I, for, and and those the reasons for that you know are many and varied but I think I think it comes down to yeah just a lack of that appreciation of food. I think we're definitely not a food centric country in that and in, in the way the Italians are or the French are or um and then I've, I've just been working with a, a Thai brand Rose's Thai uh, lately which has been amazing. And um yeah I mean when you speak to the the Thai people within the business I mean they are obsessed with I mean absolutely obsessed and there's a phrase have you eaten yet is almost their greeting to each other in a lot of ways but everything stops for food and then as you say that then perpetuates everything else because the respect for it is so high um i think yeah we're probably distracted by other things whilst eating you know a lot of the they're happy to happy to watch people make food obviously yeah, definitely yeah yeah uh, like your dealer and whatnot but um, yes, no. If you go, if you go to a grubby indie venue and look at the rider in London, it's crisps. And if you go to Italy, it's a big family meal with featuring actual food and plates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to throw myself onto appreciating food more so I can support the sector. Yeah, I'm willing <laughs> to take that. I'm willing to do that too. Just form an orderly queue. But that also sounds absolutely tremendous. And when we uh, publish this, we'll share all the kind of details. Um, to, further information to hospitality rising and I but one of the um, one of the things I was came to mind as you were talking was what hospitality and we saw this during the pandemic uh, and and other moments of crises what hospitality lacks is a collective voice we saw it when the airlines rallied didn't they during the pandemic they immediately came together had a collective voice and then went to the government and said this is what we need and they got it and um, because they speak as one and what for to respond to you know in in response to whatever, whether that be staffing, pandemics, etc., you need to have a collective voice because it just makes you sound like you've got your shit together. Yeah, it's, it's really tricky. We do have three um, sort of really great trade bodies that sort of span the, the, the thing. So, you know, you've got Kate Nichols at UKH, who's, you know, very prevalent um, and sort of, you know, in, in the government and, and pushing for us and all that. And then Emma McClarkin at the British Beer and Pub Association, um, British Beer and Pub Association, yeah, BBPA, um, and then the BII with, with Stephen Alton, who's sort of looking after maybe a lot more of the indies and, and things like that. Um, you know, and, and I think it's always been mixed about what happened during COVID. I mean, I think you never heard about hospitality more than you've ever heard about, as you know, during during, during COVID. And I think some of the packages, you know, seem to be okay. You know, I think most people who are running... Because I, th- I think the other thing as well is there was a lot of people who have got smaller businesses maybe who are living hand-to-mouth. And that was so difficult that, you know, if they're closed for three weeks, never mind three months, it's all gone. If you're maybe slightly bigger and more robust than, you know, you, you, you've got a bit of backing and stuff like that, it's an awful lot easier. But, um, but no, I, I think, well, certainly I know that the government feel that they gave hospitality enough, you know, and we've found that, by talking to them about Hospitality Rising, where they have been saying, um, well, we need to see you fending for yourselves a little bit before we get stuck in, you know? Um, So, yeah, so I guess that's what we're trying to do. But I was really hoping for some kind of price match thing or something like that. You know, I thought that would have been ideal. 
Um, but again, we just need to keep punching. And then we've had interest from other parties. You know, we've got Prince Charles, as he was then, um, or he was Duke of Rothsey because he was up in Scotland when he was talking about it. But yeah, he held all about hospitality rising. I got an email on a Saturday night. I was just reasonably drunk, actually. And uh, one of my clients emailed me and said, can you pull together some slides for the Duke of Rossi stroke Prince Charles, Prince of Wales? And I was like, so, what? <laughs> you know, I couldn't believe, because, you know, I'm sort of like from a working class area up in Scotland, you know, you know, I thought you're going to be writing to the future king. So I had to Google, how do you write a letter <laughs> to Prince Charles? Because I had no idea like, how you greet them, how you sign it all, you know. Um, and then, obviously, he's had a promotion since then. So, yeah, so I think it will pass to William. Um, and we'll need to try and get in with, because he's a Duke of Rossi now. So hopefully we can start the conversation with him again. Nice. Excellent work. Excellent work. You mentioned a couple of the brands that you talked about. And um, we have had many conversations, Catherine, both on this platform and also off it, because, you know, we like to do that past the time. Yeah, no, we just um, that, and sometimes we don't record it. <laughs> well, that, that's just crazy. You need to- I know, I know. It's not, it's not we're Luddites, Luddites in many ways. Absolutely. Um, but the, the sort of, the, the, and perhaps this, is, this comes back to the collective voice, I don't know, but the, the thing that continues to baffle us about hotel, and we're going to go hotel brands rather than hospitality brands, if, if that's okay, is, um, is really what are they? Because they're not consumer brands. They certainly don't look and feel and act like consumer brands. Um, should they? And would that help? with the, you know, varying degrees of challenges that the hotels... The, the problem that you've got with, like, hotels is that their customer, their primary customer, because of the branded hotel market, their primary customer is the investor. They want to get lots of hotels under their brands, and you can name any brand at all, and, and this is exactly the truth. Um, whether it's through franchises or management contracts or what they're doing, they want a big pipeline, and their shareholders want to see a big pipeline coming in. So their main focus is schmoozing investors. The guest is something that kind of passes around the periphery um, for them. And this worked out really well for quite a long time. And then your OTAs and whatnot came in and started challenging where the customer was acquired. Um, and to the extent that hotels had to launch big loyalty programs to say, oh, the investor, look, we have all these millions of people in our loyalty program and they will all book with us and it will be wonderful and that kind of thing. And that's what was Where exactly were we from? Was it what? Which country was? Where were exactly were they from there? Globally, this is globally. <laughs> so that's my global accent. <laughs> I like Lloyd Grossman, but Chris, <laughs> don't make my own pasta sauce. Um, it's too much math. Why would you? But um, when MNS do that, one the mascarpone. Uh, anyway, so um, so they now have these loyalty programs, which they then say to the investors are driving guests. And if you're doing something that's customer-facing, like a loyalty program, like a 10-stamp Cafe Nero card, mm. does that mean you have to then be a consumer brand after years of being an investor brand? Yeah, well, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, so I think going back... I this work. Um, I think going back, I was slightly going to have a different perspective of, of, of where you're coming from and what you're saying. Ah. Feel a bit sad when you say what you've just said. It makes my it makes my little brand and marketing heart cry a little bit. Which is, uh, <laughs> so it might need to get some counselling or something. But um, you've crushed me. Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be 
talking about one of these podcasts. Uh, I just, uh, yeah, uh, there's no Santa Claus. So, I, so yes, the investor thing and, and all that, right? I, I, so put, put that to one side for a wee sec. I think um, as a hotel guest a lot, because I, I live in Brighton and I can't be fagged getting up and down every two minutes, um, you know, so and if you're working late and all that. So um, I tend to, you know, stay in, you know, fairly economic hotels and all the rest of it. And I think it's not about them being a consumer brand for some of these. So let's say said Hotel where I stay all the time um, or your Hilton's or your Novotel's or your Ibis or whatever. I don't know if it's about being a consumer brand. I think it's about being a value exchange and a place that's kind of home from home in a way where you feel welcome and it does the job and, and all that. And also there's an occasionality to it as well. So like what we're saying, we don't appreciate food. Probably a lot of the time you don't appreciate a hotel because it is just a place to crash. But as you go up the ladder, there'll be, you know, different occasions. You'll want different things within it. You maybe try to impress someone, you know, all, all these types of things. So in terms of being a consumer, I don't know if there ever will be a consumer brand in the majority because a lot of them feel corporate. But I guess it's the same as an airline. Are airlines consumer brands that you bring into your home and things like that? Probably. I mean, I think obviously Virgin wins just because of who it is, but that's because it does other things, probably. So it's probably a similar, you know, if you look at Hilton and BA, are they consumer brands? No. But are they customer-centric brands? They should be. You know, the, the better hotels should be. Um, but what I was going to say was, and actually, I, obviously, I got a flash of a couple of your thoughts and questions, so, you know, I was doing a wee bit of thinking about this. I think there are some that are consumer brands, though, um, in terms of hotels. And I'm thinking more about the boutique ones. So I think things like the Pig, um, so, you know, Robin Hudson and the gang, they've just won hotel of the year, I think, the other night at A Rosettes. So I think people would want proudly to show a little bit of the pig and their lifestyle and it shows status. Would you want to do the same with one of the big sort of IHG Accor hotels? Probably not, but maybe something that feels more independent like the standard or, you know, so if there's something about it that reflects who you are, um, Soul House and their rooms, you know, Soul House is such an interesting one because it straddles so much. But again, with them having the Soho home brand, and then, you know, behind me, there's a lamp from uh, Dumbo, New York. So from that, you probably do want to have a little bit of them in there. But I think if you're, I don't mean just, but if you're just an Overtel, if you're just a, you know, main Hilton, if you're just a Marriott, if you're, I'm not sure you're going to penetrate people's front doors. But if it's something that's maybe a little bit more special, there's a, you know, Red Carnation Hotels is a really good example. I would say they've got an absolute cult following of slightly older people and actually, you know, American wealth. And they are absolutely wanting to show things from their trip back at home to say, oh, we went to this little quaint, you know, um, you know, she, she, um, 
high class, um, you know, sort of hotel group. So, uh, so I think it's a it's a bit of a mixed bag. I think, but I would say hotels are possibly get the opportunity to be more consumer brand than 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 than, than flights, and also things like Citizen M, Ace Hotel. So I think there's ones like that that actually did build brand really well, um, and you would want to be part of. So yeah, so when I, when I saw the question, I was like, oh, there's quite a few ways to to look at that, you know. Um, but part of it is you want people to, you know, be using your facilities when they're not at home, in that consumer consumed sense, if you like. But I guess it's so difficult though, because what are they selling? They're selling unconsciousness <laughs> really good unconsciousness better unconsciousness than you can get at home yeah so you know that's quite it's quite a tricky thing you know it's almost one down from insurance which is peace of mind you know it's like it's actually quite tricky um and then on, on your loyalty stuff um so yeah you can have your cards and all that what was interesting when i was at prep was we studied loyalty a lot um and we ended up looking at papers on, you know, lab experiments and all that stuff. And what you find with loyalty programs, though, is that it becomes expected behaviour. So when you go back to your Cafe Nero example, and it's no disrespect to Cafe Nero, but how excited are you really about getting that 10th stamp? And then for, for some reason you didn't get the 10th stamp, you'd probably lose your mind, right? You'd probably do a falling down shotgun moment. So However, if someone just gives you a free coffee on the house or a free chocolate bar or a free croissant or whatever, just because, which Prep did through the Joy of Prep program that we had running all the time, um, and we never, back then we never really publicised it. It's just, I felt like it was a shame that they did talk about it because it was just this kind of, oh, is there an SES, is there an Andos Black Card sort of, you know, urban myth? You know, is, is there an actual programme behind us? But how many people do you tell that you get a free summon in Pret? Loads. You don't tell loads of folk that you get your free stamp in Nando's back in the day. So I think there's different ways to do that. So I, I think hotels, surprise and delight would be a good thing. And I'll give you a couple of examples. So one is, it was my birthday yesterday, and on Tuesday night, I went back to the hotel. Thank you much. Um, so I went back to the hotel, Z Hotel in Covent Garden, where I stay all the time, usually a Monday night. Um, so that's maybe a bit too much information. <laughs> so, <laughs> usually on Monday nights between yeah, 7 and yeah. 8. If, if, if you're single and interested. Uh, so but basically, um, I, with the, the folk in the, in the hotel, you know, they're just so... Nice in that you go in, nine times out of ten they'll give you an upgrade just because. And also I've got to know just the, the guy that kind of works the bars or cafe at night or whatever. And, yeah, I mean, it was triple vodkas and, you know, extra measure of wine and, you know, because he could tell it was my birthday from the thing, you know, from the, what you call it, system. So it's just but stuff like that. But, yes. But see, stuff, stuff like that, do you know what I mean? That That is worth so much more than points and you know and all the rest of it but the other one i was i was going to say was back before covid i stayed in a place called the oh I can't, was it it was like a georgian house georgian house hotel i think it was in, in pimlico wee boutique place right so anyway it should have been 268 or something i did a deal with them to say look i'll be staying next many nights a year and then they gave me like an amazing rate 
not only that though, every time I went to stay, they had a new surprise for me. So they had a GM who just really got it. So you, you went in, right? First time I went in, I had uh, Dominic Ansel, you know, the muffin croissant, what are they called? The cronuts, right? So he gave me the cronuts. Then they found out what wine I liked. There's a bottle of wine in my room the next time I go. Then they started to learn sort of what I did in, you know, my company and all that stuff. So then one of the times I went in, they had logoed socks for me, right? Um, and then the next time I went in, there was a mug with my logo on. Next time I went in, actually, I thought their pillows were so good. So actually, this is a consumer point. I thought their pillows, there's two things, there's usually three things about hotels that are so good. One is the pillows, weirdly, if you get the right place. Second one is uh, the mattress itself. Third one's always the ironing board. They've always got that brilliant sort of metal, you know, sort of heated pad thing. And and usually the irons are quite good, so maybe four things. So anyway, I bought pillows off them. I actually bought pillows from them because I wanted to get the right ones. And the next time I went in, they had uh, two pillowcases made up with my logo on as well, so I can cuddle my logo at night. Um, and then, uh, and it just and 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 like every time you went in, there was something. It was maybe something to do with food and drink, or it was something to do with your company, or just sometimes it was just they had just written a really nice handwritten message on the mirror above the fireplace of the of the room. They just you know you got back late, you're a bit lonely, and you know someone had just made the effort to brighten up your night. So it was it was great, you know. Just so I, I think it's that. I think there's a more technical way people are doing it when you think about the OTAs. So I was lastminute.com for years and I would die for them, right? Like, if you cut me open, I'd be magenta, right? I, I loved I loved to be there, you know? Um, but basically, all people are trying to do now is beat booking.com. So again, by you doing all those things I've just mentioned, but also Z Hotels do this really well, where I book in booking.com all the time just because it's more convenient for me. See, now that is a very sad, teary moment for the hotel sector because this is exactly what they're trying to avoid. Yeah, but oh, I'm just thinking about my future my future job at booking.com. <laughs> I get um, but, uh, but, yeah, so I, I, but the reason I do it is... It's, you can hold up a sign just so that you know. <laughs> well, but I, I do that because of... And until hotels can beat this, then the rate's usually within about 50p, so it doesn't really matter. Um, and also, when you go into booking.com, I'm traveling all over. So it's all different hotels. So it's just all in one place. So until they can do that, or, or they put the effort in to do it, then, you know. But what's really good about Z Hotels is they'll say to you every time you book booking.com, that means you're not a member. So you don't get a free drink tonight, and you don't get this, and you don't get that. So, so I think it's quite a good so it's quite a good thing to do. But what what Z Hotel did for years, and this was before COVID, free cheese bottomless cheese and wine every weeknight from five thirty to eight thirty. And I used to just go in late because I was well, I was always working late, and they'd hold back some cheese and wine for me. But I got in, and there's just Armageddon, just business folk. Shit faced, all shagging each other. Like, it was like, see the stories, like, you got talking to some of them, and you were just like, oh my, and they were all like three bottles of rosé down on a Monday, you know? 
and stuff like but it was completely bot- like bottomless, yeah, um, literally. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it full circle. So, I, but, but, but they created quite a, a strong community there because people would stay in the hotel, people would appreciate it. And then, if the, if the lobby feels buzzy and busy and interesting, then you know, that's, that's another string to your bow. You know, restaurants and hotels and bars and hotels always usually feel like an afterthought for the. For the, the the consumer, the guest, you know, and the smart people will go into hotels and go, I know you've got that restaurant, but where's good to go? Because, you know, there's one or two lonely business people sitting and you'll be the third, you know? Um, so, yeah, so I thought I thought that was excellent. But, yeah, so so I, I think there's a bit of blood lines there, I think. That you're, yeah, I think you're spot on. Um, F&B in hotels is a whole other podcast series, probably, that we need to dedicate half our lives to. No, um, yeah. I don't want to. No, no, not so much. But, but, um, but, I mean, there's some great ones, you know. I mean, there, there really is some great ones. But, you know, I think Red Carnation do it well. I think, you know, Tom Kerry just doing Melody Corinthian and all that. But, yeah, they're few and far between. You know, they really are. Um no, like saying there's some great positive stomach cultures, isn't it? You should have <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. And you should have a certain number of them uh, when things go wrong. But overall, I don't want to hang out with them or see them. Not so much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, somebody will, somebody will make millions getting it right, I suppose, at some point. We can, but hope. Absolutely. Mark, you've given us loads of things to think about. When I say us, I mean hotels. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Our oh, branding's terrific. Um, so, <laughs> and, and, and in any of our logos, I feel that I've gone wrong. <laughs> exactly. Um, was was the GM when you were at Georgian House the lovely Adam Rowledge? They lost my business overnight because Adam went, new GM come in. Adam told them about you know the, the deal and that, and it was just like, no, you're just going up to normal rating. Books major like we don't care. We're not. And it wasn't that you know I was I was waiting for my next you know trinket of logoed stuff or anything like that. But I think it was just a you know it was just a feeling that you were welcome and that you know that and that's just where it goes wrong in hospitality and across the board is when a brand is led from a spreadsheet and not from the heart. That's when it goes wrong, you know. Um, Where he knows your name. Yeah, but also, you know, I listened to Julian uh, from Pret uh, on a podcast the other day, and he talked about it, and, and at Pret, we never ever talked about money, like profit, or very, you know, once a week talked about figures, but that was an output. You know, we never, but most brands start with that, whereas Pret was just people, product, place, you know, that kind of thing. Get that right everything else will follow you know yeah you wouldn't be the first person on this podcast to have uh yeah drawn a sort of comparison or an analogy with um how murky it all gets once you start with the investor base but um that appears to be where we find ourselves and we have (laughs) we've (laughs) (laughs) we'll remember remember blackstone at uh at ihf 10 years ago Um, we've successfully covered off all the things that we wanted to talk about. So um, an enormous thanks to you for your time and have a very merry um, delivery tomorrow of your new furniture. Yes, I'm very excited. Yeah, I hope, I hope, 
I hope they don't just leave it in the lobby because I'm on the second floor and I'm, yeah. Uh, then you have to do it in the lobby. Um, it's Marks and Spencer's, so I'm kind of, I'm hoping. Ooh. Oh, yeah, they, build, they bring it in and build it for yeah, you and everything. I seem to remember them doing that, so fingers crossed. If not, I'll be, uh, yeah, there'll be adverts going out on Twitter for uh, strong people to come round. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And also, do remember, as Catherine pointed out, they're delightful mask pony pasta. Yeah. Fitting into the delivery. Day. It sounds wrong, but it's right. Is that what you're saying? Okay. Good. Good um, to see you. Right. Thank you, Catherine. Sorry. Thank you. Thank you, Emily. And thank you, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Mark. Lovely to see you. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. And um, do join us again next time for more riveting chat. Bye. Bye. So that concludes our thoughts for this week. Thank you to everyone involved in creating this episode and providing something for your ears whilst walking the dog, washing the cat, chopping the veg, or however else you pass the time while podcasting. Please do review and subscribe if you get your ear entertainment via Apple, or follow new tricks if your ear delight comes from Spotify. These things make a difference, apparently. Until next time.